it's the next level. Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, Primers, into this Our Arrow Season 7 Annual from the Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. Uh, This is going to be one, I know we have poked fun at Arrow in the past, but, and you know, we've obviously had some strong criticisms about this series over the past couple seasons, but um, I'm going to give the listeners our word if they're listening we're going to try and be as as respectful as possible. I'm sure we're going to crack some jokes here and there. It's it's going to be inevitable. But, you know, when we get to this annual, uh, we're going to be covering this as the same way we do every other show. We're not going into this intentionally to down the series. No. We're just going to tell you what we think about the series. Right. And honestly, and, if you listen to our Flash annual, we weren't as kind on that one either. And it's not said that. So, I mean, this is not us just because there's one show that we're not enjoying dogging on it. We're just trying to be honest and give you our, our an actual critical critique of the season. That's purely what it is. Uh, as always, just a reminder, we love every one of the cast members on the show. They're all incredibly awesome people. Um, they all do amazing things. So again, there's no, um, you know, bias uh, because of uh, it, it, not an enjoyment for the actor. Um, we do have to look forward a little bit of passive bias because again, we have complained about the show for quite a number of years, but again, we will keep that credit cattle on and make sure that we, we give the best, best responses we can. Yeah. I mean, and one of the things I want to bring up too, while we're talking about this and, you know, before we jump into the annual itself is I'm off the heels of uh, FanFest New Jersey yesterday, uh, this past Saturday, where I was a moderator for the Gotham panels and Legends of Tomorrow panel. But I did end up seeing uh, Juliana, uh, who who plays Black Canary, uh, and Rick, who plays Wild Dog, excuse me, um, yesterday. And our friend Craig Lagans actually moderated the Arrow panel yesterday. Uh, and it was his first ever celebrity panel. He did a fantastic job. I got him hooked up with that <clears throat> uh, yesterday, and he was very appreciative of that. But the one thing I sat in the audience to watch Craig, but the one thing I did notice too is that as much as we criticize and as much as other people have criticized this show, seeing that panel made me, you know, made me realize something I already knew. This show, even in its darkest times or worst times, still has a massive, massive rabid fan base. And, you know, because everybody that was in that audience and it was a full house for that panel still adores this show. So, and, and, you know, and we're, we're still in that boat. You know, we as podcasters, we criticize the writing and everything else. But we're still, as you mentioned, we're still fans of all these yeah, shows. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So please, please keep that in mind. 
uh, as you're listening to this. If you hear us say something that you may not like, if you still thought this was a fantastic season and it's coming across by us that it wasn't, we apologize for that. But again, doesn't mean right. we hate the and, show. And, and, and it's just and another thing issues. to kind of talk to you guys a little bit about too before we dive into this is just a quick reminder that just because our opinions aren't the same as yours doesn't lessen your validity of your opinion at all. So if you really thoroughly still love it, don't let ours impact or, or any of you in a negative way. Continue to enjoy it the way that you do um, because everybody has different opinions. And that's kind of the beautiful thing about this. We're just allowed to we're We're able to express ourselves through this podcast. And a lot of you may not have an av- avenue like that outside of like some for- forms of social media. But, um, you know, we, we want you to continue to be ra- a rabid fans of it because it helped create this wonderful thing that we call the Arrowverse. So. Yes. Exactly. Uh, I feel weird that we actually have to preface the arrow pan, the arrow. I don't, I, I generally don't because like I know you and I have, have uh, me, especially <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I, I'm not, we've had I'm some heavy criticism about this show because in general, I, it was a show that I thoroughly loved that it's, I, I now have to understand it's no longer written for me as a fan. So, and that's fine. They're, they're still writing it yeah. to another no. part of their fan base. But as for me, um, I, I feel like I have been, you know, me as a fan has been left behind. So now I look at it purely critically. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's just, again, we've had some heavy criticisms and we're going to address um, a lot of them uh, over this annual. So, but you know what? Let's get into it and we can try and get through it as quickly as possible and, and as painlessly as possible. Uh, and as always, when it comes to these annuals, we start off by rating the season as a whole. Uh, that being a one through 10 scale, one through three being sidekick, four through seven being hero and eight through 10 being legend. Uh, and then we'll talk about the big bad as well. We'll rate the big bad and then we'll reveal some of our favorite and least favorite moments, characters and episodes of the series. Uh, but as far as the series as a whole goes, when it comes to season seven of Arrow, where does it fall on the scale uh, completely as a whole from on one to uh, it, with it's, I can't give it anything higher than a sidekick. It's impossible for me to. Um, I And I hate to say it, going to give it a one. I think it was the worst season of anything on the Arrowverse that we've seen thus far. Um, it was just middling and achieved kind of nothing. Um, it, was, it felt like a stopgap to get to the end. And that's purely what it was. And it felt like one of those things that if you gave me 12 episodes or 10 episodes like they're doing next year just to get to the setup pieces, um, I think it would have been much better. But it feels like they didn't know what to do. They were constantly course correcting. and But you don't know what they were trying to attempt to course correct. And I think it was purely just to get Oliver to the point of him saying, um, I- I'm going to die, <laughs> essentially, or the- having the monitor show up. Uh, I do think there were some great moments along the way, uh, but I think the season as a whole, outside of two episodes, uh, two, two episodes out of 22, all being very middling, if not bad, is problematic. Okay. <clears throat> wow, that's going to make my 4.5 seem generous. I look at this. Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, you know, I, I, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I mean, maybe I won't, wouldn't give it a one. Maybe I'd, I'd probably give it a, like a two. 
I think a one is a little harsh. No, I mean, you're, 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 you're free to give it whatever you want. I mean, and you know, and I'm not going to dog you on whatever you give it. If you give it a one, I know what you're, I know you've had criticisms about the season. So honestly, a one from you doesn't surprise me yeah. in the least. Uh, I'll give it a two um, because I do think you know, there was I, two of the best episodes we got across any of the Arrowverse this year. Um, Oh, I think when we get to favorites, uh, you and I both share favorite episode, and I think we're in agreement. It is one of, if not the best episode in seven years yeah. of this show. I don't, I don't even. Uh, I, um, that's that's a definite, and that's what I think bumps it up for me. Actually, you know what? Come back to me on my score. I need to think a little bit. Okay. All right. Let's. We'll talk about the season as a whole a little bit, and you know, we'll do that. But you know. And just to go back to the whole point of, you know, your opinion might, might not be the same of ours. The episode that we're talking about when we get to favorites, we list as one of the best episodes of the series. I've seen it pop up on worst episodes of mm-hmm. Arrow lists. So which shocks me, it like boggles my mind. But, you know, it's proof positive. There are differences of opinion when it comes to this show. So but I mean, as far as the season as a whole, for me, four point five, I think, you know, like I said, your score makes my score look generous, but I think it kind of is a little bit. And I'm giving it a little generosity because I understand what the writers were going for. And you hit the nail on the head, and that's the course correction of, you know, past faults of season six. You know, they went from a phenomenal season in season five to a downright awful season in season six. And I understand some of the moves they were trying to make in season seven and what they were trying to accomplish in that course correction, but they just were not able to do it. It's, you know, the, they never steered back on the course. They steered into, you know, they, they steered into the wind of what was a bad season six. And unfortunately it kind of tipped the boat over. If that yeah, makes no, a that's a sense. great analogy actually. Um, you know, so it's it's one of those things that I, I as a fan, I appreciate what they were trying to do. They just were not able to accomplish. Yeah, it. no, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think, again, there's two amazing episodes we see. You know, obviously, we're going to talk about Slab Side Redemption, which is we can get it out of the way and just kind of be like, hey, <laughs> expect that to be in that list of our favorite episodes. But also, though, there's the documentary episode, too, which was great. Uh, and. And oh, that, yeah. was, that was stunningly done as well. Um, you know, we're still doing our primer awards, and I can guarantee you there's a high <laughs> chance, in my opinion, that Slabside Redemption is going to take our episode of the year. Um, you know, it's it's one of those episodes that has stuck with me. And it's like when we talked about The Flash last week, that is like there wasn't a single episode that just felt like it stayed with me permanently. Slabside Redemption is one that always will. Um, when I go back and think about the Arrowverse in five years from now, when probably there is no Arrowverse uh, on TV anymore, because, you know, all things do have to come to an end. Um, that's going to be an episode I'll probably still continue to think about because, man, it was awesome. It felt like this one of the best action sequences I've ever seen shot, ever seen executed. Uh, and it was just great and fun and excellent. And it was just there was so much to be really, you know, to really enjoy. Um, but then you go to see where it ends and where they take that storyline and how it kind of kind of festers kind of like an open wound through the rest of the season where it's kind of like, hey, this is the setup, but we don't have anything we're really planning on doing with it. You're waiting for that wound to close and yeah. it never quite does. And it feels like somebody's just kind of pouring salt in it the rest of the way. And it's kind of... Well, oh, go ahead. 
Yeah. No, and I was just going to say, you know, like without going into too much more detail about Slabside, because we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get to our favorites. But, you know, the one of the best things about that episode, and I wish they did more season, is that episode really highlighted one of the major strengths of this series that we've we've made no bones about. And that is the action sequences. You know, that's one that has always been a strength of Arrow, you know, when it comes to those fight scenes that we get in the fight choreography, whether it's James Banford still doing it or he's directing the episode, that has always been a strength. We've never I don't think it's it's a rarity. It might have happened once or twice that we've said like, oh, that action sequence kind of fell flat. But that's something that's very rarely ever said from us when it comes to this. Yeah, show. no, definitely. And slab side. Slapside was a perfect example. Yeah, of that yeah, because it it wasn't bad at all. Like that was some of the most amazing choreography we had seen from a sh- from this show ever in seven. Yeah, years. no, definitely. I I fully agree with you. And I think you know, like, can you go back and look at a lot of a lot of the other pieces? And I think I kind of know where my score really falls. One was, I think, in my opinion, very mean. Two is, I think, not quite there because there's a couple other things that are happening. So I'm actually going to give this a three. I think this actually, I think a three okay. actually makes a little bit more sense because you're right. They, there was, and I know when we even talked about the finale, um, I, I gave the finale a really low score, but you're right. There were some really great moments, but I feel like there was a lot of baggage from last season that needed to become uh, brought into this season that was never addressed. They just kind of said, hey, guys, we're just going to sweep this under the rug. We hope you understand why is because we don't want to think about it anymore. And it made a lot of weird moves constantly happening around all points. But you also had a, a series this year with very little super heroics, which is what the show has always been about. And it's fine to change your formula yeah. and what you're doing. But it was you had their core cast constantly separated from each other, which was really problematic. You had a season with barely any of Amel in it. It felt like it felt like he probably if you cut all his time together for screen time, it's probably two and a half episodes. <laughs> it feels like it's, it's, you felt like he did not want to be there anymore. And it's not that it didn't feel like he, he wasn't able to act. I mean, he definitely did, but it felt like he had something in his contract. Like I really want out of this by, and you have me for X amount of time. And that's kind of feels, well, I mean, and go ahead. And there's a little bit of truth to that too, because I mean, as we found out with the season ending in season eight, I mean, we found out that he actually did try and get out by the end of season six. Um, you know, seasons, this season seven was, you know, I think it was he approached the writers towards the end of season five or into season six, uh, you know, about like, I, hey, I think this has run its course. I think, uh, you know, Oliver needs to move on or, you know, I think I need to move on from this. So, you know, there's, there's definitely some truth to, you know, I don't want to say Amel phoned it in because he's not no, the kind of actor to all. phone it in. But I feel like because of the fact that, you know, he he probably addressed the writers and he addressed the producers, you know, with, with Mark and everybody about how he felt about it's time to move on. I think there's potential there that the writers probably just did not give him a lot or didn't give him as much. You know, they kind of spread the weight amongst everybody rather than putting a big focus on him. Right. And the problem, I think the... And, and it feels yeah, that I way. mean, I think that was where a lot of the problems kind of stemmed is the fact that it was a season that really didn't have much of a focus on Oliver and he's the lead of your show. Uh, and everybody else's stories that they were trying to tell, unfortunately, just weren't that interesting. So, but when they were able to tell, get to the point, they were good. They were good. But the rest of it, unfortunately, really weighed it down. So three, I think, is exactly where I'll fall. 
And I think, you know, when we talk about some of the strengths that the season actually showed, I will pride it on one thing. And that is one of the complaints that we've had over the course of the the past couple seasons, (coughs) oh, excuse me, is that it's the cast has become too big. I mean, there's we love seeing the superheroics, but there's I think it got to a point where there were so many cast members that you couldn't put a focus on too many people. Like some of them, there were some loose ends that never got tied up because you had to put focus somewhere else. So one of the things that I do pride this season on is the fact that by the end of this season, it really does kind of rein it in a little bit. And it seems like other shows are doing that too. too. I mean, we talked about the flash, you know, with Cisco getting rid of the vibe abilities and, you know, kind of just being going back to being man in a bunker. Um, to use an arrow to use an arrow reference but you know we kind of saw that a little bit here too i mean obviously we see echo kellum's character curtis leave the series uh katie cassidy kind of took a little bit of a backseat towards it for a moment there in the series uh and we see it completely wrap up to pretty much down to the original core cast by the end of this season with the exception of the flash forwards but you know, so I do pride the writers on doing that, on kind of really reeling it in, especially going into these final 10 episodes, because hopefully it can be with a shorter season and less cast. It can be a little bit more of a straightforward, more focused story that they're going yeah. to tell. And I forgot about the flash forwards. I'm going to take my score back down to one. <laughs> <laughs> Makes total sense. <laughs> Makes complete sense. Because, I mean, trust me, when we get into, like, favorite episodes, least favorite episodes and moments and stuff like that, the flash forwards play a heavy part in that for me. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, and I, I, I think my, my um, real answer for everything, though, too, is I, I have no score for this one. I think I'm like... It's, it's difficult. It's, all I can say is it's a sidekick, but where it falls is it's really purely dependent on where my brain's at when I'm talking about it at this point. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult. Yeah. I mean, because there's so many things like and I think part of it is that at least for me is that there's so many faults and there's so many criticisms and there's so many things that were wrong with this season. And I, like I want to but there's a part of me that's still deep down that says like I want to give this a higher I score I really I do. want to have liked this and season. And you know what we what we always say and I, I you, you'll probably agree with me. What are the most four important episodes of any season? Your premiere, your mid-season finale, your mid-season premiere, premiere and your uh finale. And they botched all four of them. Well, we're we're in a little bit of a disagreement. Well, in my opinion, I know know, when we talked about the finale, I know you and I are different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying the finale blew me away, but I felt okay with the finale. I gave it like a mid hero where I know you gave it a sidekick. And I think the main reason was because I felt like it was a good rap to to this series. And it made me think like, why are we even getting 10 more episodes after that finale? And I know we've seen a bunch of the cast members like Catherine McNamara signed on as season regulars for next season. And I share the same feeling as you is why like I, the flash forwards were part of the weakest point of this season. And it seems like as bringing them on as season regulars, you've by the end of this season, you've wrapped the present day storyline with everybody going their separate ways with Oliver and Felicity going to the cabin, uh, you know, and, and showing them a couple years in the future, you are either by bringing them back, you are either 
undoing what that finale that you just did by bringing back Diggle and everybody else, or, and, you know, and stepping backwards and going back to the present day, or you're going completely flash forward and making the flash forwards, the new present day, which I don't want at all. It because to me, and not everybody will get this reference, but Rob, I think you will. To me, it becomes scrub. That's exactly nine. what my brain was about to say. I'm like, I was like, I was like, it <laughs> it delegitimizes what just happened, um, and the yes. fact that they're doing this, I'm like, yep. I'm like, so this is scrubs. This is this is essentially scrubs the new class all of a sudden, and that's not what I want out of this show at all. Um, it, I would I would much rather than get a season ten with or season seven with 10 season eight with 10 episodes and it be flash forwards to me what i'd much rather get is if you're going to be nine episodes until the crossover i would rather have i would have rather had them end arrow with season seven with the way they ended it and then have give us on cw.com or you know special engagement whatever put it online put it wherever film Nine or 10 shorts, yeah. 15, 20 minutes max of Oliver and and monitor traveling the multiverse. Yeah. I, honestly, you know, like uh, you don't even need to have 10, 15 minutes. Give us two minute stingers and put the end uh, on the end of the other shows that are airing that are leading up to preparing us That's for it. crisis. Every yeah. episode, every episode. I mean, granted, yes, you probably that you wouldn't be able to do that because not everybody's going to watch all three shows, but you can do what they did last year where they got that teaser where we saw John Wesley's ship crawling through the wreckage and it has aired it in every episode. Yeah, exactly. Put that two to three minute teaser that you mentioned at the end of all of the episodes for, not, that for week. nine weeks for nine so, weeks done. And then yep. just, that's it. That's all you have to do. It's all you have to do. And I know. Yep. I, I, and, and that's your stinger for crisis yeah. every week. That's what's getting us closer and closer to crisis every week without having to do 10 episodes of flash forwards or anything like that. Like I just, I, I don't get why they're doing 10 more episodes. That's what I don't get from that. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. I really generally don't. It, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, but they're doing it and huzzah. Yay. <laughs> um, I mean, again, rabid fan base. I'm sure there are people out there that want them to continue on and are disappointed. It's only 10 episodes because they love these characters. They want to see them go on. And that's great. But um, I mean, like, honestly, they I need just to stick the landing in my opinion next year. They have to make those 10 episodes really absolutely matter. If you're going to end the way that you did this year, with all these goodbyes and all these tearful moments that like that you set up with these characters and them kind of really saying this is it, then and you even make the exit of one of the biggest characters that the show had for their their fan base. You have to make that continue to matter, and making the show continue to matter is not focusing on Star City twenty forty. It really isn't. If anything, again, it's 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 it, it's it just really delegitimizes everything that they just did. And I think I think that's yeah. what's going to happen. You and I even joked, and you even said it. I think a couple months ago when we talked about the finale, was that when we review it next year, we may say if they keep talking about twenty forty, we're just going to talk about the uh, the Oliver stuff and ignore the rest of the show. <laughs> so, and I think that's still fair. I mean, I, honestly, I think when it comes to you know we're looking forward and everything because I know we joked about this too. Is that when it comes to covering the shows every week, Arrow might get dropped. And we'll just do quick mentions of everything that they do with Arrow and with with Oliver and Mike. I, I, well, I, you know, I mean, because it's leading the crisis on the we'll other show. We'll figure shows. that one out because if I still have to watch it to know what's happening, I might as well review it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's true. Unless it's that painful to watch. Uh, well, like I said, because then they're going to continue to do little teases and something like that. It's going to be like, oh, you know what it's like? It's the best way. Here's a great comic book analogy. It's like when you're reading a comic book arc, like it's like the big summer story, like Crisis on Infinite Earths or something like that. Then they have the tie-ins. And like, oh, then it has that little batter on the top of the comic and said, oh, you know, uh, you know, a tie-in to Crisis on Infinite Earths. And then you read it and you're like, what did that have to do with anything? Oh, they mentioned this person's name. That's exactly what it's going to feel like. I think that's exactly what it's going to feel like. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's exactly I, what I it's going to be like. I spent $3 for nothing? What the hell? <laughs> Instead of this, I'm like, I just lost. Oh, we've all had. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've all had those moments. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that's and that's exactly uh, that's what I'm concerned about. And I hope, uh, you know, there's, there's a good chance that they could still surprise us with 2040. And, you know, I will hunt 100%. It's only 10 episodes. Give this a, a fair shake because if it does something awesome, I am fully on board and in. I mean, anything could happen. Anything could still happen. So. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, you know, when it comes to covering Arrow next season, again, you're right. We'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I just don't want it to become we're covering Arrow purely for the sake to shit right. on it. You know, that's that's my fear. Like if if the show if we get to season 10, if we get to these 10 episodes next season for season eight and it's majority flash forwards and we're not liking the season, then yeah, I think maybe it's, it's a good idea to just to watch it, but to just cover the arrow, all of the Oliver monitor stuff. But if there's some good legitimate stuff that's coming out of it, yeah, we'll continue to cover those 10 episodes. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, because I, 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 I just don't want it to be a, a shit, you know, a, that's shit on arrow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, you know, like I know there's a lot of you that's, that do listen that thoroughly are in the arrow camp. And I, I don't want you to feel like, yeah, you you're, you're here to hear us crap on things. And that's, that's hopefully again, not what we're doing. So. Yeah. Uh, we talked a lot about this season and some of the flaws that, you know, this season has had, and there's still a lot more, <laughs> Yeah, but you know, we, the obvious thing that we didn't talk about that we still have to rate are the big bads of this season. Uh, and the truth is, did we get that any big bads this season? I know we did, well, but it doesn't feel we like have it. three essential big bads of this year. One of them is a team. One of them is uh, is basically a cold leftover from the fridge from last year. <laughs> <laughs> and and then we have our new big bad. So and oh, and then um, the, uh, the Highlander. So <laughs> and the Highlander. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's that's the one I was considering one of the three. And then you mentioned the leftover. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. And it, which is sad, too, because I actually saw him this week, <laughs> this weekend. And I, I, I almost did. I didn't want to say anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're right. We have the Longbow Hunters, which were introduced in this season. We have Diaz, who was left over from last season, who continued into this season. We have um, Adrian. No, not Adrian. That's Prometheus. Um, I would love. I would love Adrian it. Paul. Adrian Paul. Yeah, Dante. Dante. I was gonna say. I, I'll, uh, I'll, and I'll we happily got, bring Adrian Chase back. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, Prometheus still to this day, with the exception of Deathstroke, one of the best villains this series has ever seen. In our opinion, at least. Um, and we have Emiko Queen, who we find out is Oliver. <laughs> Spoiler, if you haven't seen it already, sorry. I'm sure you have. Uh, is Oliver's sister. So three big, four big bads. I'm going to be completely honest with you. As far as my ranking goes, none of them broke sidekick. 
Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. If you did, I, I would have asked you to please get your head checked. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of them broke sidekick for me. I, I mean, I'm not even going to go on. I'm not even going to give each and each of them an individual ranking. None of them broke a three. None of them. Um, I can run through my the, I can run through my four scores real fast. One, one, one and one uh, point five. A two <laughs> uh, for the longbow hunters. I'll give I'll, I'll give a two to at least to Diaz. I think he still because again slab side it was he was a big part of that. Um, yeah, that's Dante true. is a zero. Um, like he he doesn't he doesn't get a score. <laughs> Dante was such a waste. It, I mean, it, it, he had he, he was in two episodes and was killed and said maybe I don't know two pages of dialogue. That's it. <laughs> that's yeah. it. And to bring on and to bring on an actor like Adrian Paul to play that. That minute of a role is like it is ridiculous. It's like a it's like having like, a did, cameo on like an old sitcom like from the like the nineties for Sweeps Week. It's like yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, is Sweeps Week still a thing? Is that why you're doing this? What's what's going on? Um, and then Emiko is a point five. She was uh, I, she she brought yeah, nothing I, I get- nothing to the show nothing. I, I get what they were trying to do with that character, you know, by int- by making the villain blood. It didn't work. It didn't work at all. I, I had no sympathy for her. I had no ill will towards her, like one direction or another. I had apathy for her. That's I, the I, problem. I had no, there, there was no emotion in her character. It was, they try to make us care about her, but it never succeeded. Kind of like you think about like, Nora, Nora in the flash. And we didn't really talk about her too much last week, but um, you know, she, when we met her, you instantly liked her. She was charming and she was fun. Emiko was kind of like, Hey, I'm, I'm broody, but like, I'm like junior broody. Like I, you know, (laughs) (laughs) junior broody. I love that. You know, it's, but that's what it was. It was, there was nothing special about her. She felt like a rehash of three or two villains we've already had in the show. But like such a like it was kind of like going to like the dollar store and seeing like a Superman toy, but it's on a Spider-Man like um, card back and they kind of like, oh, look, it's a Spider-Man character. I'm like, no, no, it really isn't. (laughs) Uh, It's like, (laughs) I know that's Superman. You know, that's what it kind of feels like. It's like it's somebody trying to pass off something as something else and it just doesn't succeed. Like when you look at it, like, no, this is not going to work. And you can see that from the start. And unfortunately, it kind of stayed true. And then when they did try to make an emotional punch in the finale, um, it completely failed. It completely failed because they had her trying to be the big bat and they had her knocked off the board by two characters that we didn't know anything about. And they tried to make them this big deal and this massive catalyst. Right? I don't understand why I should care. And that was a big problem. And you didn't understand why Oliver would have cared because they had no relationship. Like you feel bad, but it's kind of like, a goldfish dying and you just flush it down the toilet. It's got like, well, I'm going to have some cereal. Uh, that's kind of, yeah. <laughs> that's the best way I can kind of put it. It's, it's kind of like, okay, well, <sighs> you know what? It reminds me, I should no, probably I, call I, Thea and see how she's doing. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Oh my God. You know what? I mean, and that's the thing too. Like, I mean, you, when you talk about a blood relative being a villain, I know it would have been a major, major twist, but I would have much rather seen and I didn't want to see this at all. That's what it's saying a lot. I would have much rather seen Thea come back and kind of be 
the villain for a little yeah, while. That would have been fine. You know, maybe something they something they went wrong yeah. with you know with closing down all all, all the um the Levi- what is it the the Le- uh, it's um, not the ninth circle that was the bad guys <clears throat> here. Uh, I can't remember. It was it was the other group that was going up against the League of Assassins with yeah yeah gotcha. yeah. So I mean, I would have much rather seen like something have went wrong with her when her and Roy left and she came back different. You know, sort of like. You know, the bloodlust came back when she was revived, and that was what became... Honestly, they could have had Roy as the big bad because of what was going through with him, what we found out later in the season. That would have been awesome. Yeah. And then if they could have found... A- Roy would have been a great they, big bad, too. It would, have, it would have established everything in a really great way, and then we now understand, you know, they're like, look, we're going to get you help, all these little pieces, and then that's where you wrap up the season, and then you see him in the future. So you have something to work with him in 2040 next year, and make Roy kind of the lead there versus Mia and William. That would have been great. That would have worked really, really well. Damn it. I should be writing the show. <laughs> no, I should I should not be writing the show. I'll be fully honest. The people that are writing it are still far, far, far more talented than I could ever be with that. Everybody can have a good idea sometimes. So. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just there's so many elements. I mean, it. it it wasn't there a point even too during this season where we were like, um, are we even getting a big bad this year? Oh yeah. I mean, cause question that constantly. Got, I mean, we, we had the issue with, we had the stuff with Diaz in the beginning and him bringing him the long, bringing in the longbow hunters while Oliver was still in prison. Um, which you know what, in some ways kind of worked, didn't work enough. That's why we gave them such a low score. Um, you know, and Diaz, you're right. Absolutely felt like a leftover, but after past slab side, or post slap side, when we get introduced to to Diaz and Emiko, we kind Dante, of we, Dante Dante or Dante. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Oh, I said Diaz. Diaz. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, see, that shows you how much I really they, these guys just didn't click with me. I don't even remember their names. Um, you know, we we got introduced to Dante and we're like, oh, maybe he's the big bad. Nope, because he's dead in the second episode he's in. Is Emiko the big bad? Yep. Why? It doesn't matter to me. Like, I feel nothing for her. Like, I'm not I'm not intimidated by her. I'm not afraid of her. Like, and that's that was part of what the problem was for me when it came to yeah. these guys as big bads. Yeah, it so. was it was it was it was weak sauce. It was absolute yeah. weak sauce, unfortunately. So, oh, you well. know, I, I I mentioned that by the end of the finale, you know, I, I jokingly said when we started talking about the big bads, did we even get a big bad? And I still kind of feel that way that by the oh, finale. Oh, oh, no, we did get a legend big bad this year. I completely forgot. We did the writers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, writers room. Actually, no, it's sorry. It's not a legend. It's a new God territory. Forgot about that. That category. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they were. They were the villains. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, were, they were the big bads of this season. Sorry mm. to any of you who love the show. But yeah, apologies. Uh. Um, so before we get into like our favorites and least favorites of the episode, is there really anything else about the season as a whole we, we kind of want to bring up and talk about? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. I mean, uh, I feel like it's just going to keep going into heavy criticism and we're yeah, just going to keep wanna, rehashing I wanna, elements. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't I don't want to I don't want to keep dogging on the show. I think it's better to kind of like we we got our points out, but I think we talked about them in a really good way. We we did it with a little levity and kind of a little jab here and there, but but for fun and purely in jest, not in a mean not from coming from a mean place. Um but yeah, I think it's safe for us to move on to the other pieces because 
yeah, you know, we will probably talk about some of the other finer points of the season. Yeah, coming up. Uh, now, if, so once once we're going into our favorites of everything, we'll we'll shine a light on some on some good stuff too. Um, so let's talk about characters then, and we'll talk about our favorite and our least favorite characters from uh, from the season. I know least favorites. We've kind of put a light on some of them already, uh, but we'll start with that. As far as you're concerned, what was your least favorite character from this season? I am going to give it to Mia. Um, I make no bones about it. I do not like her character at all. Um, I just feel like it's <sighs> the actress was Catherine McNamara, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't think she's a bad actor. I just feel like they wrote her character far too melodramatic. And it's kind of like, look how cool and edgy I am. And it just doesn't work here. Um, I know there, she was in a previous show called shadow hunters. Um, and the the character she portrayed there kind of was the same thing and kind of come came across the same way and it just uh, didn't work it just it, it's just it, it didn't work in arrow i don't know about shadow hunters and how it continued and how it felt and played out but i can say at least for here it just it just felt like look how cool i am look how cool i am i mean and broody and but you should all care about me and it just doesn't it's not what i want out of the show it's um it felt like really over the top teen drama is the way it played. And it's not something we've had too much of in arrow in the past, but because it was here, it played that way. And I, and I do kind of see that a little bit too. I mean, when you say like the, Hey, I'm dark and broody and look at me, I'm a badass. It kind of felt like they were almost trying to make her, they were making her Oliver's daughter. I mean, you know, when they did that and I understand that that's the route they were going because that was Oliver, Oliver's dark and broody and a badass, but you know what? They should have made her, her own character instead. And of that's what her, it is. It's, yeah. It, and the problem is too, is shows you need to have balance and you have to have balance with your characters. If you have two characters that are playing too similar, you're, you're evoking the same emotion constantly. And then you had Emiko in the mix and Emiko is, was the exact same way. And so you had three characters that these stories were constantly cycling through that were all in the same kind of space and nothing was bringing the right kind of levity to it. Like, you know, having Felicity run in and be something silly and quirky is kind of like you're taking like this hard turn and there's no transition into it, which is why it always was like to stop. Just just don't bother with jokes. Don't don't try. But like having some heart there like John used to give, which he really didn't give a part of this year um, or, you know, like Renee kind of being a little bit softer sometimes and kind of, and then having Paul Blackthorne again, being able to kind of play all angles really well. And you didn't have that transition piece that helped kind of make it feel smooth. That was the problem. William yeah. gave it to us a little bit, but only just a really small amount. Um, and I think that's why Mia really kind of stuck out as the kind of the problem child of this one. Yeah, no, and I can definitely see, you know, everything that you that you were coming from, everywhere that you're coming from when it comes to that. And I agree. Mia was a weak character for me too, but she wasn't uh, the weakest for me. And we've kind of touched base on it already. You even mentioned it when you were talking about the comparisons. And it's probably a lot for the same reason that you didn't like Mia is the same reason why I just didn't like Emiko. Um, mm -hmm. You know, she was major weak sauce when it came to <laughs> weak sauce. I haven't had to use that in a while. Uh weak when it came to being a big bad for once she just never came across as a, as a proper big bad to me but for the same reason that you didn't like mia is the same reasons why i didn't like emiko you basically just gave us a clone of oliver 
and tried to turn them evil. And yep. for me, that that just didn't work. I mean, you, you took a clone of Oliver. You took Oliver from when he first started becoming Green Arrow, or from when he was the the Hood rather. Um, you you made it female. You put blood into the mix so that you you gave a tie to the two characters together. Maybe threw in a little bit of um, Prometheus and um, the Dark Archer small little elements of each to kind of make it slightly different and tweak it. The tweaks didn't work. And I felt nothing for the character by the end when, when she sat, when she dies at the end, I I didn't feel anything. I felt more for Oliver losing another family member that he never really had than I did for Emiko. And it just, yeah. Emiko fell flat to me. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I, you know, like I said, she was right there next to Mia for me. So yeah, I 100% agree with every piece you're saying. Cool. Uh, that brings us to favorite character of the season. What was who who qualified and fell into that for you? Uh, I've got to say my favorite character this season was Roy. Um, you know, he seemed like he wasn't going to be very important, but like they utilized him, I think, in a really interesting way in not uh, you know, in the start of the future. arc. He kind of really took the back seat in uh, 2040, but when we did see him kind of join the team very late in the end of the season, they did something really unique and interesting with him. I really thought it was kind of cool on. They had the fact that it's like, look, he was somebody that was under the mirror Kuro in the past. And he ended up dying while he was on his mission with, you know, Nissa and with Thea. Yeah, that was a big twist. And when he came back, the conjunction of the Lazarus pit, plus what he went through previously really messed him up emotionally and mentally. And I'm like, that's a really kind of cool take. And I really thought that was something different and new that they could they did with his character. And I really kind of wish they got an opportunity to utilize that even more, um, which was was great. I, I think they really pulled that off in Confessions, uh, which was like, I think, like the third to last episode. It was like episode 20. So he was only in a handful of the, the present day stuff. But even in the beginning, they felt like they utilized him in a kind of a unique way. So it was cool to see them really kind of take some chances with them. And I, I think they, they did it well. I really do. Yeah. And when, and when you look more at that with the whole, um, you know, twist on him having died and, and such, you're right. When we talked about that earlier, about the possibility of maybe Roy coming back and being the big bad and shining more on that element in the future, you look at that and it would have worked because of that twist. Um, you know, him becoming the actual true big bad of the season. And I really wish they just would have went that route. Yeah. So it's a, it's a shame that they didn't, uh, (coughs) excuse me. Um, as far as me, uh, as, and my favorite character this season, uh, I'm actually giving it to Ben Turner. I'm giving it the bronze tiger. And a lot of that actually does come from slab side redemption because, and we did see him pop up again later on in the season. He becomes a major ally for Oliver and for the rest of the team. And I just love, I really loved that redemption arc of that character over the course of the past couple seasons. So seeing him return and we know we have to imagine we're going to see him again, or at least get a mention of him in next season, whether it be in the flash forwards or whatever, because we do know that Diggle's adopted son is Ben Turner's son. Yeah. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure we're definitely going to see him next year uh, because they're going to close up that story arc. They have to, (laughs) they would have to, because otherwise it's just a complete loose end that they're leaving us with. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you know what though? At least that means Bronze Tiger is a part of next year. 
in in some some capacity. I I would I would probably say there's a 95% chance he's going to be in it somewhere so we can see that shift. Cuz I'm I'm actually wondering, you know, as we mentioned how the flash forwards are going to be the new present day and would the present day become flashbacks to kind of wrap up those loose ends going into next And season? my guess is that's probably what we're going to get. I would yeah. not be surprised if that is indeed the case. And this way, we're still going to see Rick Gonzalez. We're still going to see Juliana. We're still going to see all these characters, even though we're in the future. Oh, no. Well, Rick and Juliana are in the future anyway. But yeah. we, have to get uh, a, I mean, we have to get a Diggle story because we don't know what happened to Diggle in the future. Oh, uh, well, I think we're going to. I think we already know. But I think we know. But the show hasn't shown us yet. Yes. What happens. Uh, but I, uh, we're going to see it. I, I, I know. I, I know we're going to see it. Although, no if, although if you ask Katrina, Katrina Law from Arrow, which somebody did, they actually posed this question, like, what happened to Diggle? Uh, Katrina's answer is that he's living in Wisconsin, running a karaoke and yogurt shop. <laughs> so she's, she's the best. She's amazing. I love Katrina so much. She's amazing. It's great seeing her again this weekend, too. All right. Anyway, uh, let's move on to. Do we want to do moments or episodes? Let's do moments. Um, cause I think these are pretty quick, um, least favorite and favorite moment of the episode. I think you and I are probably in the same boat when it comes to least favorite. Uh, but I'll let you take the run. Uh, least favorite moment of season seven. Any sequence taking place in star city, 2040. Agreed. <laughs> so agreed. Flash forward. <laughs> Any flash forward was one of my least favorite moments of this season. Yes, I, I can't give it anything else but saying all of the all of those scenes just felt kind of worthless. They they just didn't bring anything new, fun, or exciting to the show whatsoever. Um, and it's not to say they were these horrendous train wrecks one after the other. It was just it was like the problem a couple of years ago with some of the the flashbacks. We're like, stop, just stop. It doesn't need to be here. Just because you guys created this system in the past doesn't mean you need to continue with it. Yeah, agreed. So agreed it, completely. I I, I don't yeah. even really think I need to add anything more to it. The flash forwards were just they were unneeded, unneeded this entire yeah. season. We, you know, one of our biggest criticisms is that we didn't get enough of Oliver and we didn't get enough of other characters. Well, you spent too much time in the future, and that's a good reason yep. for it. Yep. So, uh, brings us to our favorite moment of um, of season seven. Uh, do you have one? I do. Okay. Um, it is in the finale. It is when the monitor shows up and says, boom, this is the setup for next year. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, I've, I'm so glad that you went that route because my favorite moment was the announcement. Season eight would be the final season. <laughs> and I'm not lying. I, I, I want to say that's a joke. And, you know, I'm saying that with a little bit of levity and it kind of is, but the truth of the matter is, I can't think of a favorite moment from this season. And it to me, when we found out that season eight was going to be the end and it was going to be a shortened season, it was kind of a relief. And yeah. I, I oh, do. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm right there with you. But I at least do think the sequence with the monitor stuff in the, in the finale was actually really strong. I do. Uh, I agree I, with I that too. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited that the arrow is coming to an end. And not because I want to see it just go away or be forgotten. Um, I want them to try to still be able to go out in a high note. Yeah, exactly. And that's, what, and that's what it is. And I think because they've been struggling so much the last two years, 
if 10 episodes gives them the ability to tell a really great story, whether it's in 2040, present day, whatever they want to do across the multiverse, um, if they can tell a really good story, it's awesome. You know, I, I've, I've had characters I've not enjoyed come turn around all the time in other things. So who's to say that the 2040 stuff may not be exceptional next year and whatever they do is going to be amazing. Because again, when you have a tight story, you can't waste time. So as long as they can utilize those 10 episodes in a really strong fashion, I think the show can still go out on top. And I think that's the goal. Yeah, agree. Agree completely. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up then with our favorite and least favorite episodes of the season. We'll start with least so that we can end on a little bit of a high note. Um, and I'll kick it off because we've already mentioned it. Star City 2040, episode 16 of the season. The one where the entire episode was pretty much, I think 95% of the episode was flash forward. Um, yeah. You know, again, not crazy about the flash forwards at all one bit. So to get an entire episode, I was, you know what? And I went into it hopeful, you know, because I thought like, okay, I don't like these flash forwards because we're getting little bits and pieces, but maybe it'll be different if it's a full episode and they can put more of a focus on that story still didn't work for me. I just, I was already so far separated from these flash forwards that an entire episode I, I, it just didn't pull me in at all. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. It was, <sighs> it just wasn't good. <laughs> so, <laughs> Do you have a different one or is that pretty much your answer? No, no, well? that's, that's, that's the one. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's definitely the one. Well then we're, we're <sighs> the same on both least and favorite because we've already made mention of favorite and we'll make mention of it again. It is by far, not just the best episode of season seven. It is one of the best episodes this series has ever given us. And that is episode seven, the slab slab side redemption. Yeah, the, absolutely. The action sequences. I mean, no lie. I hate, I didn't like this season. I will go back and rewatch just that episode. Yeah, no, definitely. It was, it was so wonderfully executed. And you know what? There's one other one too, that, Definitely gets a nod, which is the Emerald Archer episode, which is episode 12 that was narrated by Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> um, I mean, those two episodes, I think, showed the heart of Arrow all over it. But Slabside Redemption, the action sequences were just off the hook. They were some of the best action sequences, too, we've ever seen across the entirety of the Arrowverse. It was stunning to watch. It, it felt like the movie The Raid uh, or like, like Judge Dredd or yeah. well, Dredd. Uh, if you've ever seen them before. Yeah. Um, and it, it just played exactly the way it needed to play. They didn't waste time. Everything executed really, really great. Um, and amazing performances by uh, Amel, um, you know, Michael Jai White, everybody. Avery, Cody you know, Rhodes. Uh, uh, Cody Rhodes. Everybody. Yeah. Uh, you know, everyone gave an amazing, amazing performance through that entire like riot episode. Uh, and, and there's this one beautiful shot that I will always click in my head. And it's when you're watching Oliver on like, I think it's like level three of the prison fighting across all around that top corner. And then all of a sudden it would drop down and you would watch bronze tiger dismantling people as well. And they just kept going back and forth and you were just watching carnage, but it was shot so beautifully. It's kind of like when people think about daredevil, it's that hallway yeah. fight scene. And, and, and it's, and it's, this was even more intense than that, in my opinion, because it was done. And executed even better. And that was one of the criticisms I've read when I've seen people list this episode on some of the worst episodes of Arrow is that one of the criticisms is that, hey, Daredevil did this already. And my reply is to that, so what? If it's done well, 
I'll watch this every week. You know, it's it's an amazing cinematography. It's amazing fight, co- you know, coordination. I, I don't care if it was done by Daredevil before Daredevil did it first. Who gives a shit? It was done. Simpsons did it. <laughs> yeah, it was done amazingly well. So I don't care if Daredevil did it first. As long as it was done properly, that's all that matters to me. And it was amazing. Yeah. You know, I love that Daredevil it, sequence in the hallway. And then we got it again in season two in the stairwell. Uh, so you know what? Season two, I, everybody praised season two of Daredevil for having that sequence again. Uh, season one did it first. <laughs> Shut up. It doesn't matter. I don't care yeah. if Daredevil did it first. It was an amazing sequence. And unlike Daredevil, where, you know, it was one sequence in an episode, Slabside fulfilled it with an entire episode. So yeah. in effort, in, in some ways, it was better than what Daredevil did. Yeah, I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed every part of that. So, I mean, and in my opinion, you know, we know that the DC movies have kind of fell flat and stuff like that. But you could have taken that episode, extended it another 40 minutes to turn it into a full length episode, just about Oliver breaking out of prison. And I would put that up against, if not above any of the DC films that we've gotten so far. That that's how much awesome. I love that episode. It was really great. So thoroughly loved it. And that's ending. That's how you end an arrow annual on a high note. <laughs> it's talking yes. about that episode. Um, but yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for uh, the arrow. I, I don't really think we need to talk about predictions for next season. Cause I think we covered most, most of that when it comes yeah. to this, I, I do want to see some of this stuff leading up to crisis. Um, and again, we've criticized this season. We've done it multiple times, and I'm sure it won't be the last time, but we still have high hopes that these 10 episodes will be focused, condensed, and give us something that they're going to go out on a major high note. I still have hope yeah, for that. I do, too. I really do. Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what they can bring to the table, and I really am excited to see what Amel is capable of doing for his finale of this role. I, I think... I think he's going to do something awesome. I do. I really too. do. I agree completely. Uh, all right. So with that being said, obviously we're going to focus on legends of tomorrow next week, which is going to be a lot of fun, but we have some news. <laughs> there's actually news this week. Yeah, there's, a, there's a couple pieces. Yeah. So uh, the first one I got to bring up is because man, oh man, it was my favorite thing that happened this week. Teen Titans go versus the teen Titans trailer has officially <laughs> dropped. You can find that over on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime. If you haven't given it a watch, please do so. I want this this movie so bad. (laughs) This fulfills that post credit scene from Teen Titans go to the movies. Uh, This is a direct to DVD uh, piece. So make sure to keep an eye on uh, uh, further news from us. We're just waiting to hear when the the film is going to drop. I'm sure we're going to get a release date probably around San Diego Comic Con, most likely. So uh, probably we'll hear about that when they discuss the DC Universe panel. Um, and speaking of which, let's head over to San, some San Diego Comic-Con news. Now, while we know Hall H is going to be a little bit thin this year, because uh, we know Warner Brothers Films is not going to be there, same with Marvel. But uh, as we expected last week, and pretty much we're pretty much proven true, Warner Brothers Television indeed will be there next week. Um in addition to that, we're also going to be seeing DC Universe there next week as well. So real quick, a couple pieces that we can kind of discuss with you all. 
uh, is right now on Wednesday, July 17th. Um, they are going to be having panels from 6 o'clock until 10 o'clock p.m. Uh, where Batwoman and Pennyworth's world premieres and special sneak peek screenings will be happening. Uh, so we'll get a chance to find out a lot more about those, find out early kind of thoughts about how the pilot screening of Batwoman and Pennyworth go. And that's again, happening exclusively for Comic-Con audiences. Um, and then again, we're going to be seeing a little bit more, uh, but there's also the world premiere of DC universe's animated comedy series of Harley Quinn, including some never before seen episodes of teen Titans go will be happening, uh, at ball in ballroom 20. Um, again, that's Wednesday, July 17th. Uh, following up on Thursday, July 18th, Teen Titans Go! Brand new episode screenings will be happening uh, between, I think, from 3.15 to 4.15. Then moving into the big, heavy, other hitter days on Friday, July 19th. Uh, we're going to be seeing a couple things. If you're big fans of a non-DC thing, that being Veronica Mars, that will be getting shown off on July 19th. But then at 12.30 to 1.30, the animated series DC Superhero Girls was showing off brand new episodes with a screening and Q&A. Uh, then we're going to be again at 4.30 to 5.30. There is the Pennyworth special video presentation and Q&A as well. So and then moving into Saturday, July 20th again. One more time, Batwoman's pilot screening and Q&A from 10.30 to 11.45 a.m., followed up by a Arrow special video presentation and Q&A. Um, so like I said, this is a fans attending Comic-Con. We'll have their last chance to celebrate long-running hit series Arrow. Uh, and then in addition to, I believe Supernatural will be in the mix in there as well. It is traditional Hall H slot. Uh, Saturday as well. So uh, then 4.15 to 5 o'clock, there is a Supergirl special video presentation in Q&A, followed up at 5 o'clock yeah. to 5.45 with Black Lightning. And then from 5.45 to 6.30, the Flash takes center stage. Uh, but what's interesting here is, sorry, folks, no Legends of Tomorrow this year at San Diego Comic-Con, most likely because the show is not coming back to mid-season. So this is uh, doesn't make too much sense for them to focus on them right quite this at this time uh but from again saturday seven o'clock to nine o'clock dc universe's series sneak previews and q a uh but what's interesting here and this is something to be a little bit excited about it says first looks and breaking news for titans doom patrol and the second half of young justice outsiders including harley quinn so for a special two-hour event Saturday night so what's exciting there is we have not gotten any confirmation yet about doom patrol returning for a second season all thoughts are this is where we're going to get that information and news. So God, I hope cross, so. Cross your <laughs> fingers, but that's a big way to end uh, Saturday night. So we'll see. Uh, then again, as I mentioned before, uh, the Harley Quinn animated series again is going to be showing its world premiere as we just discussed. Uh, I don't know why I have two stories for that, but I do. So suck it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. But something else Comic Con related. Uh, expect an Arrow versus Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, uh, which apparently is already well in the works with a massive announcement being teased for Comic-Con. So um, so keep your ears to the ground. This all came from Mark Guggenheim. Uh, man, oh man, I can't wait to see what's to come. Uh, me neither. Like I'm, I'm so looking forward to. I'm looking forward to everything. Like I'm looking forward to news on Doom Patrol and Titans. I'm looking forward to you know, seeing what they're going to be teasing with crisis this year. Cause they're teasing it early. So, I mean, you know, they're, they're teasing it really early. So I'm really, yeah, really, they teased, it, to it. they teased six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So right. I, I'm looking forward to San Diego. I always do. Yeah. So, um, then moving into some more TV news. So the flash, uh, like I said, is apparently casting a new scientist character for season six. 
so we don't know much about this, but this is from what we understand. The character will be a socially awkward African-American genius in math and science who, who specifically is a bit obsessed with aliens and their tech. Um, so this arrival could uh, potentially be interesting because maybe this is uh, the exit door for Cisco leaving the series. So uh, it's a big wait and see because there were rumors that he was potentially uh, not returning next year. But my guess is we'll see him make his exit probably post-crisis. So we shall see. Uh, but like I said, we'll uh, we'll keep that reporting on that as more new like like news and rumors kind of kind of surround that piece. Speaking of rumors, heading over to the film side of the universe, uh, Andy Serkis, uh, best known for his portrayal of Gollum, and obviously several characters in the Planet of the Apes series and Ulysses Claw in Black Panther and Age of Ultron, is going to apparently be uh, sought after for a role that is unspecified in Matt Reeves' The Batman. So. Again, uh, there is a lot of people saying there is a high, high, high chance of this, and that he is close to potentially signing for something. Some rumors are speculating he may be actually getting cast as the Penguin. So, uh, very curious to see. Very curious to see if that is indeed the case. So, um, but again, we'll keep you know, keep you all posted as we know more. Uh, I think the other part too is there's also some speculation that he could also be the Riddler. So, okay. All right. Hey, it's Andy Circus. I'm I'm good either way. Yep, pretty much. So, and then again, we've got another rumor circulating, but there apparently is a lot of people saying that this is indeed uh, been confirmed in its validity, and this is coming from Bloody Disgusting, and we got this covered. But the reason why it's interesting coming from Bloody Disgusting is they are also the people that broke the news about this specific franchise. But apparently, now the future may be a little bit more different from Swamp Thing. So if you're expecting still another season on DC Universe, sorry, folks, it sounds like that's not happening. But what may be happening is a live action film of Swamp Thing, uh, potentially also James Wan still continuing to produce. Uh, so it's a big wait and see on where things happen, because apparently the show did make a lot of waves um, and a lot of people are really excited. And I think there is an opportunity here for Warner Brothers to really do something with this. So it's a big wait and see, but fingers crossed. Uh, but that wraps it up for us for the news for this week. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so um, any recommendations from you this week? I honestly, I don't think I have anything. I finally got to watch the Sam and that was really awesome. I really oh, thoroughly enjoyed it. That's right. I'll share that one with you because, yeah, that's actually coming out, I think, to video on demand and DVD relatively soon. So I think it's in the next two weeks, I believe, give or take. Yeah. So if you, so, haven't, yeah, if you uh, haven't had a chance to see it yet, I recommend it, too. And you know what, though, too, just because if you still haven't watched it, man, oh, man, please go back and watch, uh, you know, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, because I'm still thinking about that. So <laughs> it was awesome. So, yeah. But yeah, good times. Good, good times. Absolutely. Uh, cool. So cheap plugs and then we can get out of here. Uh, as always, you can catch. Uh, this podcast as well as all other podcasts as part of the next level podcast network, the next level network.com uh, facebook.com slash the next level network and the Facebook page for this podcast. As Rob had already previously mentioned, facebook.com slash DC primetime. And as for me, you can always find me at the next level network.com through the caffeine crew cast of pods. Our last episode just was up just a few, a uh, couple days ago, actually last, I think last week. Uh, and that was episode 55, where we talk about body positivity in geekdom and the importance of diversity. Uh, so really, really kind of interesting to kind of break that down. It was a very deep discussion, especially the role it plays in pop culture. So uh, so make sure to give that a give that a listen. It was a ton of fun to do. Uh, it's, it's seriously very eye opening. Uh, so I, I really highly recommend to give that one a, ch uh, a, a chance. So uh, 
Cool. Uh, but beyond that, I think our topic for next month is we're going to talk about theme parks, which I can't wait I'm, for that. I am very excited to talk about. So, yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun because I'm a theme park enthusiast. So I love going to theme parks and that's going to be that'll be fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So next week on the podcast, we're going to be doing our Legends Annual and I might even I, I'm going to try and get some clips from the Legends panel that I did this past weekend with Nick Zano, Matt Ryan, and Tala Ash, which was so much fun. And hopefully there's some good audio out there. I have audio of it. I'm just trying to clean it up a little bit because there's just a lot of those guys were so much fun. Um, And yeah, I, I just hopefully can get that out there to some people. But other than that, our Legends Annual next week, and then after that, I think we, uh, I think we're tackling Doom Patrol, right? After our Legends, uh, wrap? yeah, yeah, Doom Patrol will be at the next discussion, yeah. Which is good because that means I get to go back and rewatch it, <laughs> <laughs> which would be fun. So, but uh, until that time, thank you as always for being a part of this family. Thank you for listening, subscribing, commenting, posting, all that you do. But until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care, peace. <laughs>